0: Good morning, good morning on Easter morning. My name is Dave Bartlett and I want to welcome you, those of you in this room, those of you uh, down in our sanctuary, in our commons, and those of you watching online. We are delighted wherever you are, you've joined us this morning. And uh, thanks for being here. I, I hope you're having a great weekend Easter celebration. We have been as a family. Uh, seven of my nine grandchildren are now teenagers, and yesterday we did our big backyard Easter egg hunt, and we made resurrection rolls, and we just had a blast. And uh, even as teenagers, they want to be a part of that, and uh, we're so thankful for that. So I hope you're having a great a great weekend. Uh, this is a really important weekend for followers of Christ this is the weekend that we remember and celebrate the truth that has changed so many of our lives. Well, you say, how, how has it changed our lives? Well, it's interesting. About three people walking into our lobby this morning already grabbed me and said, this is real, it's several of them, two of them with tears. Like, this is so important because we buried a loved one this week, this past year. And this is the first Easter that we're celebrating after buried them. And when Jesus came out of the grave, it's so important because that tells us our loved one still lives. It's so important, the resurrection of God's son. This story we celebrate this morning, let's be clear, is not conspiracy theory or fake news. This is not made up stuff of fairy tales. This is real time historical fact. It's not even you believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and let's just get along and you can believe whatever you want. No. This is actually historical fact that's uh, declared both in the evidences in the Christian scriptures and in uh, secular Roman historical literature. So there's a lot of evidence that what we're celebrating today is true. It's true. And because it's true, it proves that God is real. God is just as real as the person sitting next to you, just as real as the chair you're sitting on. That's how real he is. And the resurrection is proof that Jesus was who he said he was, God's Son. But let's start with the with the other question. What if it's not true? What if it's not true? Well, actually, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament of the Bible answers that question. And here's the verse. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Most pitied. Uh, what what, what uh, Paul is really saying here, the next slide, your faith, if, if, Paul says, if Christ was not raised, your faith is a waste of time, and you shouldn't be here singing these songs this morning. Two, those who died are completely lost. So those three people who were telling me about their lost ones, they'll never see him again if Christ wasn't re- resurrected. And we are, of all people, ridiculous to be pitied. What are you doing here? Why are you wasting your time? No. But um, uh, one of my granddaughters told me this week, uh, Grandpa, um, we, you would not believe how many of my friends don't know the Easter story. My granddaughter was saying, we grew up with it. But I'm figuring out that some of my friends don't know what it is. And so we need to be clear about that. What is the Easter story? So let me tell you a few facts just to get that out of the way. Here's the claims of the Easter story 2,000 years ago, in a little town of Bethlehem, a baby Jesus was born. That's a fact. It's just a fact. Jesus lived and did miracles and claimed to be God's one and only Son. He claimed to be God. Fact. Jesus died on a Roman cross, and his body was buried in a grave. Fact. Three days later, he walked out of the grave fully alive with a heavenly body. Fact. So now, the question is, well, Dave, what's the evidence? Because we need to be able to tell our sons and daughters. We need to be able to tell our neighbors and our coworkers. Some of us need to be able to tell ourselves in our own head. Why do I believe this is true? And some of you would real briefly say, well, it's in the Bible, I believe the Bible, that's it. Well, I'm saying, let's get a little more specific. Let's um, have a little more evidence than that. And so, um, let's take a look at this as a first proof that Jesus was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who's Peter, and then to the twelve, After that, Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some of them have fallen asleep. When the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was basically saying, hey, the first evidence you need to know about is there's 500 witnesses who saw him after he was dead. And they're still alive, he's saying, um, though some have died, most of them are still alive. And he's saying, go ask them. This is 2,000 years ago. Go ask them. 500 witnesses. That's a lot of witnesses. The second proof, the second evidence or proof, 500 witnesses number one. Number two is how much these close people to Jesus, how much the disciples changed. Do you remember the story? The night Jesus was arrested, uh, a little servant girl, a young servant girl, came up and said, "Peter, uh, hey, you're one of his disciples. You, you're one of his followers." And what did Peter say three times? He said, "No." She came back, "No." Came back, blankety blank, blank, "No." A few weeks later, after Jesus, after Peter sees the resurrected Jesus, where is he? He's on a street corner in Jerusalem. Telling anyone who will listen that Jesus was God. He's telling Roman soldiers. He's telling Roman politicians. He's telling everyone. And before, he was afraid to tell a servant girl. And here's his message. This is the exact message from Acts 2 that he's saying from the street corner. But God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death couldn't hold him. We just sang that. Death couldn't hold him. And you know what happened when Peter declared that message on the street corner in Jerusalem? The church exploded. The church exploded. It started with 12... Then it grew to 50, and then in one day when he said this from Jerusalem, 3,000, and the church has been exploding ever since. Do you know how many Christians there are in the world this morning? 2.54 billion, the largest religion on the planet, 2.54 billion people named Christ as Savior and Lord. Here's a side note. We've been watching the war in Ukraine, right? Right? and we've been watching the interviews and we've been our hearts been broken for those folks. Do you know what the latest polling says about how many Christians there are in Ukraine? 2018 was the latest numbers I could find, 71% of the population were Christians. They said we follow Christ, they were in the church. And you know why? After Ukraine broke away from the Soviet Union, this message exploded huh, so uh, the evidence, 500 witnesses, changed lives, the message caused explosive growth, 2.54 billion Christians today, and then here's the next one, and so many of you sitting right there, you know this is true, uh, your own experiences is an evidence, right? Here's the verse. Uh, don't copy, this, is, this is Romans 12, 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think, and then you will learn by your own experience how his ways really satisfy you. And so many of you in this room right now could raise your hand and say, you're right, Dave. My experience of following Jesus, standing at the graveside of a loved one, standing in front of a church promising to marry the spouse, holding my first brand-new baby, I've experienced how real Jesus is. In fact, it's true of me, you could all stand up and say, this is fake news, and it wouldn't affect me one iota because I know by my own experience how his ways satisfy you. And, in fact, this whole week, I I don't know exactly how this happened, but Orchard Hill Church and Nazareth Lutheran, we, like, emphasize this like crazy all Easter week. So Thursday night, five college students, the gym was pretty full, Five college students got up at basic, and what did they share? They shared the story of how God has been real to them as evidence. Then, Friday night at Nazareth Lutheran Church, 14 high school seniors from eight or nine different high schools stood up, and what were they sharing? How God's realness was real to them because of their experience. And Jeff was saying a few minutes ago, the next three Sundays at all three of our campuses, we'll have people coming up and sharing their story of this very verse. Hey, here's how God's been real to me. So there's all this evidence out there. But here's the kicker. Following Jesus is not intended to be based on evidence only. No amount of evidence will ever create faith in your heart. And this is the point where some of you are stuck right now. You're trying to decide whether to become a follower of Jesus, and you're going, I I don't see enough evidence. I, I don't get this. I wasn't there. I didn't see him walk out of the grave. I don't believe the evidence. And I would say to you, that's okay. Because all the evidence in the world is not going to help you cross this line of faith. Evidence is not supposed to be enough. By definition, faith is believing that which I can't see. So, following Christ requires evidence plus faith. And it requires many, yes, I have enough faith for this step's Along my journey with Christ and uh, I was trying to think about is this the way actually life works and I, I want you to think with me a minute I think it is the way your life works you're going to buy a car so what do you do you collect some evidence and then you go and make an offer buy the car some of you buy it online now without ever driving it or seeing it I know uh, <laughs> but it takes a step of faith buy a house. Buy a house. You get all the evidence, you check it out, all that, and then it takes a step of faith. Start a career. Evidence, who am I, who am I, what do I want to do with my life? And then you take a step of faith, start a business. Have a baby. Oh, my goodness. Have a baby. There's a step of faith. I was thinking about my own life, and I was thinking about the day, uh, May 5th, 1970 now some of you weren't didn't exist then you hadn't been born I'm sorry you missed it it was a nice day uh May 5th 1970 some of you were you you can stay with me on this day I'm sitting on a sandbar beside the Cedar River and I'm with my girlfriend her name is Linda and we're sitting there and uh kind of surprising to me and very surprising to her I wrote in the sand some words. Will you marry me? Now, let's talk about faith and evidence for a minute. So in that moment, after asking a few clarifying questions, (laughs) like had I lost my mind and what was I joking around, after that, then she had a moment to decide. And what was she going to decide based on? Think about this. She was going to decide, here's the evidence that I know of Dave, because she definitely wanted someone who would be a faithful husband, somebody who would uh, be a good father for kids, somebody who would walk with Christ with her, all these things. So she's thinking about the evidence. And then there comes a point where she has to take a step of faith. Some of you have been here. Lots of times guys will tell me, hey, Dave, I proposed last night. And I always ask the very important follow-up question. What did she say? So Lynn said, yes. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. At the time, 20 years old, I thought I had given her a ton of great evidence. (laughs) But I must admit now that the kind, generous, romantic, patient man you see before you today (laughs) is not who I was at 20. No. What was the evidence I thought was so good? I was abrupt, thoughtless, careless, uh, risk-taking, and knew almost nothing about women. I grew up in a family of all boys. Competition, wrestling, hunting, very few words were ever spoken in our family. Feelings? What are feelings? I had a black hole where there was supposed to be information about women and girls. Now I look back, and I definitely see the evidence was not that strong. And when I look back and see the evidence was not that strong, I was thinking of some specific things that she had to overcome in order to say yes. Literally, our second date was to Backbone State Park, early spring. The lake is frozen over, and a lot of you have been there. Uh, There's dams across the lake. So I said to this date, Lynn, I said, hey, let's walk across to the dam. Seemed like a good thing to do. I was having fun. We walked across, but then I fell in. The ice cracked, and I fell in. I had my winter coat and jeans and stuff on. By the time I crawled out and started walking back to my car, my winter jacket and my jeans were completely frozen. (laughs) I was shaking so hard, she had to drive home. Um, uh, I did have a different set of clothes that I changed into. She had to overcome that. (laughs) One time, to show you the kind of caring, alert, thoughtful man I was, she called me at work, and she said, Dave, the used washer that we bought, very used, and put in the basement, every time I touch it, I get a shock. (laughs) And it's kind of bad. So not knowing how to handle, you know, a fiancé, wife. So I was thinking, well, what would I tell my brothers? And I said, well, Lynn, here's the deal. There's some rubber hunting boots in the corner. (laughs) Slip those on, and I don't think you'll get a (laughs) shock. True story. When I told my dad that, he got this look on his face like, are you a complete idiot? (laughs) The first time she started to cry, I was with her. We actually didn't cry in my family. I, I had actually never seen anybody personally cry. I mean... These were a different day, right? She started to cry, and I literally reached for the phone to call 911. (laughs) Uh She had to stop me, because I did not know this stuff. But she said yes. (laughs) Evidence will never be all there is. There always needs to be a step of faith. Now we've been married over 50 years. And before then, she had to say a series of yes, and then we got married, and then she had to say a series of yes, right? For instance, yeah, yes, we could, re, uh, we could rebuild a friendship that we had had in high school. Yes, we could do that. Yes, we could uh, have a first date, right? Yes, this is always important. Yes, we could have a second date. <laughs> yes, we'll keep getting to know each other. Yes, we'll keep dating. Yes, to a first kiss, Yes to more serious talking. Yes, I'll marry you for the rest of my life for as long as we both shall live. But you know what the kicker was? That doesn't end the yeses, does it? Those of you who are married. No, there's still a whole bunch more yeses. Yes, we'll keep trusting each other. Yes, we'll keep working on this marriage. Yes, we'll have a kid. Yes, I'll forgive you when you hurt me. Yes, right? Okay, stay with me because following Jesus is exactly like that. Stay with me. Yes, I'll be open to, is God real? Yes, I'll be open to like looking and listening to the scriptures and see if Jesus might be real. He might be living. He might have come out of that grave. Yes, I'll read the scriptures. Yes, I'll put myself... Around people and friends who say they know Jesus. Yes, I'll put myself in places where Jesus is taught about the church, camps, conferences, some business retreats where God is talked about. Yes, I'll pray. And then there comes that day, like on that sandbar, where you come to a yes that says, Yes, I'll give all that I know of myself to all that I know of Jesus. That's that step of faith that for whom there's never enough interest, enough evidence. But then, those of you who followed Christ a long time, like I have, you realize the yeses don't stop. Yes, yes, I'll resurrender to Christ. Yes, I'll write a check so His work can uh, move forward. Yes, I will love my neighbor whether I feel like it or not. Yes. I'll receive forgiveness again and again and again, right? Here's what I was thinking about Easter 2022. Wouldn't it be cool if you said another yes to Jesus? Wouldn't it be cool if there's something that you need to say yes to him about? Yes, I'll reengage with you, Jesus. Yes, I'll recommit to you, Jesus. Yes, I'll cross that line of faith for the very first time. By the way, those of you who are like not really into this God thing, we are so excited and glad you're here. Thank you for being here. But we would say even you have some yeses you could say to God. And what about those of you raising a family? Maybe it's the day you say yes, I'm going to recommit my kids to God. I'm going to recommit my teenagers to God. I'm going to recommit my life and surrender my work life to God. Some of you starting businesses or working in businesses, yes, I'm going to do that for God. I'm going to live for him. Here's the uh, incredible truth of the Bible. Every yes you whisper to God is huge. It's momentous. It's momentous. It's amazingly important to God when you whisper a yes. G- God is like this. I used to play uh, hide-and-seek with my grandkids down in the basement or around the house, and the way it worked was I would count to 10, and then I would come hunting for my grandkids, and you know what? They didn't know the game. So as soon as I started c- uh, coming hunting for them, they would jump out and go, Here I am, Grandpa! kind of ruin the competition of the game. That's the way God is. The scriptures clearly say, if you say yes and go seeking for God, you will be found by him. If you say yes and you go seeking for a tighter relationship with God, he'll jump out of from wherever he is. He'll find you. That's what the scriptures say. Every yes is hugely, hugely important whether you're crossing the line of faith for the first time, whether you're surrendering your life or your business or your family. And if you've been a follower of Christ for many years, I've, I've followed Christ for something over 50 years, and I still need to say yes to him often. Uh, one more uh, thing I just want to point out. This jumped out. Off off of the screens with me, it's a verse from Luke. But when they entered, that's the women. In fact, Avery read this. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, that's the women. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning angels stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. This just jumped out at me this year. And you know why it did? Because so often when we're looking for the presence of the living Christ, we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong place. We're thinking he only shows up on our happy days. We're thinking he only shows up when things are going well. And it's just the wrong place. So uh, I just wanted to give you a, a slide just... Places you can look. One, look in the scriptures, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the stories of Jesus. Look in the scriptures. He's there. It's his address. He's alive there. The Bible promises if you read that, what, he's gonna jump out? He's gonna touch you and help you. Number two, history of your own life and others. That's why we do these histories, right? We believe no matter whether you know God this morning or not, he's already at work in your life. And if you could have eyes to see and you would look back, you would know he's been at work in your life. You would. Number uh, three, good gifts point to him. I don't know if, if you get this. When you see a sunrise, you're out canoeing or kayaking and you see a sunset, those beautiful things point to the glory of God. You see a new bud, new life, it points to new life Christ brought. You hold a baby, it points to the eternity of a soul. Right? Um, Pain and grief, we've taught taught that a lot here at Orchard lately as we've had a lot of pain and grief that uh, God is right there in the midst of you. And then challenges you face. Last one. Uh, Some of you are facing a challenge tomorrow morning. It might be a prognosis, health prognosis. It might be a business slump. It might be a family that's not together the way you want it to be. And if you make that your goal, I'm going to work on that with one eye and put the other eye on, fix your eye on Jesus, you can see him work in that. Trying to make a farm work, one eye on that and one eye on Jesus, show up, help me. Trying to make a business work, a family work, one eye on that and one eye on, fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll see him work. The primary place I ever saw this, most... Striking place in our whole church history that I've seen is when we uh, had uh, over 100 people training for a marathon several years in a row. Non runners decided they were going to run a marathon. That was the goal. And um, so they, they started training, they had a plan, they had a coach, but they kept one eye on Jesus. And you know what? Just they said to us over and over and over again, this is the most spiritual experience we've had. Why? Because Jesus was active as they chased the goal. So if you've got a challenge you're facing tomorrow morning, one eye on the goal, one eye on Jesus, he'll do it. Let's pray. Dear Father, help us see The evidence. Give us eyes to see, but Father, also help us know deeply that evidence will never be enough, that we need faith. So give us faith. Protect us from evil, give us courage. And Father, please be with those who are hurting right here in the room this morning. Please be with you those who have lost a loved one this year and this is their first Easter and there are tears in their eyes right now please please be with those brothers and sisters and moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas in Ukraine who are losing so much who have lost so much and many many of those folks are just like us followers of Jesus And Father, uh, help us say the next yes, please. In Jesus' name.